get ready. Every dinosaur statue you've ever seen or a skeleton is made from uh, ground up chicken bones from China. To question everything. Yeah, she, she told me that. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay. What do you believe? As I was looking around, it looked like an extraterrestrial starship. I mean, it, it felt like it was a starship. And why do you believe it? I, I do, based on my belief in scripture, I do believe that there is some sort of eternal consequence, or you could even say eternal punishment. This is Unquestionable with Calvin Smith. Welcome, everybody, back to Unquestionable with Calvin Smith. I am joined by another special guest today. I am joined by Manpreet Bawa, or Manpreet Singh. We're going to call him a little bit of both, I guess, whatever one he prefers. <laughs> but uh, Manpreet is the host of the It's On with Manpreet Bawa YouTube channel, which I actually just came across his YouTube channel last night. I watched a couple of your videos and super insightful stuff. And so I knew that this was going to be a really interesting conversation. And uh, I'm really happy to have you on. So uh, welcome, Manpreet. Uh, thank you, Calvin, and I'm excited because I've never talked about religion with somebody. I mean, I, I talk spirituality a lot, but nobody has ever questioned about knowing about Sikhi, which is interesting for me because I don't have a very um, religious, religious background, even though I follow the faith. Mm -hmm. I've kind of... Uh, decided what to do and what not to do like if it aligned with what my journal thought is then i followed it not i'm not a go to buy books person so i want to also call out that you know what i express are my opinions my perspectives not necessarily the truth <laughs> so do your own research if you really want to lean into it you find something anybody listening find something interesting do their research. My my words may not be entirely true. <laughs> yes, exactly. I I agree. Yeah. So same thing with me. You know, I'm I'm atheist, but I don't speak for all atheists out there. Everyone yeah. has their own ideas and uh, beliefs. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I'm here to just speak on my part. But uh, yes, I'm I'm glad you made that clarification. <laughs> but um, I guess before we get too much further, uh, tell me a little bit about your YouTube channel. What's uh what kind of stuff do you like to do over there? Uh, so on my YouTube channel, uh. It started with uh, I wanted to talk about mindset. That, that was one of the things fascinated. And the reason it fascinated me was because I, w I excelled or I did things well in my life where if it went by books, I wasn't supposed to. I did not do an engineering degree yet. I was an IT profession. I got to do uh, many things where even engineers were not able to get into. I got into those opportunities. Um, I was into sales. I was selling insurance. I was doing so. A lot of these things happened because I somebody handed me book Think and Grow Rich. So I started learning the mindset side of the things, and I knew the value. I I understood that there was a value of me grabbing on those um, teachings from people at that shifted my perspectives and made me um you know skilled in the things that i was able to do so i started with the mindset in the initial but i also always had 
just leaning on the spiritual side of the thing. So I wanted to balance, like bring in mindset and our entrepreneurship and spirituality and combine. That's where it started. Uh, but, um, so, uh, but over the time, uh, I just felt like entrepreneurship talks were everybody doing it. And I could not bring anything from my own experience, my own life learnings to it. Uh, mm -hmm. Most of it was just what I was, uh, you know, bringing in from other guests and all that. So I left entrepreneurship and now I lean into more spiritual wisdom, mindfulness. It could be quotes from the, um, some ascended masters or, you know, it could be something that I just uh, come across going in a walks, having a conversation like this. So I, I just share uh, what I am learning through my journey now um, and again it's again my opinions uh, but I tend to apply it on myself and then uh, you know put it out there that this is what I did and it worked yeah wonderful yeah that's, that sounds great it sounds like uh, a lot of growth with your YouTube channel and um, I, I encourage everyone to go check out uh, Manpreet's YouTube channel I'll have everything linked in the description of the podcast so you can go click on that and uh Go check out his content. Give him a subscribe. Like a couple of his videos. Leave a couple comments on what you think of it. But um, <clears throat> yeah, Manpreet, the main reason why I wanted to have you on today is I wanted to talk a little bit about Sikhism. And we we talked for a couple seconds before we started recording um, because you're a practicing Sikh, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, so I guess how long have you been practicing Sikhism? Have you have you always been? Always been. I grew up into the family of Sikh. Um, it's interesting, uh, you know. There was time when you had to like sort of baptize, similar to baptize, like you wanted to get on that path. Okay. And then you became, but then you know, over the years or. Um, generations it has become like you if you go into a Sikh family you're a Sikh you've grown into a Hindu family you're a Hindu or a Christian like that right 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 uh, so um I know a lot um living having lived outside India I know um the world where uh actually children as they grow up they decide which religion they want to go into uh it wasn't common it's becoming sort of a little normal in india but when i was growing up you just followed uh the religion your parents uh followed or yes. the family you were born into um when my my uh grandfather was born this is how we became sick there was there used to be a tradition in uh indian cultures where um the families uh hindu families one son would go become Hindu, the other one becomes Sikh. And mm -hmm. did you know, everybody, they chose how they did, but it was very natural uh, for having both religions in one single family. So my father, grandfather became Sikh, and then my fa father followed to be Sikh, and I followed to be Sikh. So I that's how, so I've been Sikh uh, in short <laughs> uh, way of coming. I've been Sikh all my life, but uh, okay. actually, uh, if you were, uh, the the word Sikh uh, actually means seeker. So if you're seeking something, the truth, you're on that journey, you are a Sikh. You don't really necessarily have to be following the religion. Um, the Sikh means anybody who's seeking the truth, find, trying to find know themselves. So 
I know it's become a lot of like organized religion. Mm -hmm. uh, it has taken that away and form now, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. the way it started. It was more like you could be practicing Hindu, Muslim, but you could use this principle if you're on the journey of seeking the inner wisdom. I so got you. Speak. And you know that that's one thing that I I kind of gravitated sort towards Sikhism is since I've started kind of looking into it when we first started talking that we were going to schedule this interview mm. I looked into Sikhism and it seems like it's a pretty inclusive religion I mean yeah it seems as far as like women's rights goes and uh, I mean let's let's talk about that a little bit how I guess in the Sikh community how are women treated in in those regards. Yeah, so I, I'll go step back how it started because that is yeah. the foundation, and 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 is it followed all across? No, but how it started was there was a guy named Gurnanak. We call them um, uh, teachers, or we we don't have sort of gods to speak, but we have gurus or teachers who formed that foundation, and the Gurnanak was the very first one of it. So. Uh, you can call him as a realized being. He came and he, you know, uh, people can say he got enlightened. People can say, you know, he already knew whatever it was. Nobody can tell its all perspective. But what he did was he realized that there were things that were happening around him that didn't align to his soul. He questioned them. So he started as a young boy, he started questioning like, why is this way? Why are not this? For example, he was born into a Hindu family and there was a tradition of um, the, you know, as a uh, boy in the family, you would wear a thread across your body, mm -hmm. which was a practice. And, but that was only done by, um, boys uh not the women so women were not given that right and he questioned like why is my mother not uh wearing that and he he said if my mother mother cannot wear it i am not going to wear it so he started yeah, yeah. questioning challenging and standing up uh, against the things that he felt in himself were not right like he started to bring equality right from the very young age and and um and the very first lesson he gave when he is taught or told to be enlightened and he the very first word he spoke was one said everything around is one and he's specified with the digit one like it starts his um his uh written um knowledge is just by one like he starts by one saying that everything that is happening around us mm -hmm. it's one so he took away this notion of what is god because is that everything is one like what in his language if somebody is asked what is god he's like what is not god tell me like he he didn't label it but he said everything is just one that life energy that runs through everybody everything that we can touch see smell that is one so in that aspect it everything becomes inclusive women um different religions, uh, different mindset, atheism, uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, everything is all one. He, he said every, behind everything is just one. And that's how, you know, he started that tradition. So, so if you want to 
if you want to follow Sikhism or if you want to learn to be a Sikh, you want to learn how to start seeing one. The way you can see one is when you stop seeing others, like you have to give up othering and that othering is um, women's, that othering is, um, you know, in today as well, bisexual, gays, LGBTQ, whatever way, form, shape you would be othering, you know, that that is taking you away from one. Um, so, So in his terms, in his words, it's all one. Women are one. In fact, uh, he goes on to say in his um, in his writings that um, we are all feminine. We are, you know, we have the uh, the word of the male opposite of feminine. What is it called? Masculine. Uh, uh, masculine. Yeah. So yeah, we have masculine and feminine, but. If you're really saying there is some God out there, then in his poetic language, it's we are all bride of that one. Okay. Um, so, so you don't necessarily believe in like a like a God deity, I guess you no, could say? No, okay. no. So what, what he taught was like, uh, and this is very uh, prevalent through his um, uh, written. So what uh, where a little bit of Sikhi, um, differs or had maybe a little more advantage was whatever was written, whatever was his teachings was all compiled through his lifetime. Like it was written, it wasn't like somebody said that, you know, he went away and this book, somebody's writing what he would have taught. It was written as he was journeying uh, through his life. And, um, and in that he uh, called and he used the languages. He's, he's, he traveled a lot, you know, he traveled all across India. He traveled to mm-hmm. Afghanistan and he traveled to Persia. And if you can see from, from the map, they are farther away from, you know, India He traveled by foot in those days, like 500 years ago, he traveled by foot, by sea. Right. And what he did was not only he used the language where he was. So if he was in Persia, he was speaking Persian. He was writing Persian. He was using the labels for the gods as what the common people used at the times. But he was always bringing them to the one. He's, he, he would always say that, you know, you may call it Allah. Maybe, you, you know, Jesus was there or whatever you may call Allah. You may call it Ram. But this is all one. So you always, uh, I mean, uh, okay. what, the fas- what fascinates me is that, that he started writings with one and then he spent entire text explaining the one and how to get to the one like that's all Sikhi is about like understanding that it's all one and then how do you get to the one and he uses different languages across uh, uh, the Indo-Pacific region, like that part of Southeast Asia, what we call, which is our, which are eight different countries now. But he travels through those eight different countries, and based on where he was, uh, he was writing. He was having the active dialogues uh, with, you know, the community leaders, whether you were Muslim, whether you were Christian. He was having dialogues to understand what they believed, and then if there was a way he could shift them a little bit higher or differently to see what actually the one is, he would do that. Uh, 
Interesting. So do you consider, uh, is his name uh, Guru Nanak? Is that his name? Nanak. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Nanak. So do you consider him like a prophet or? Teacher. 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 So we call him Guru. So Guru is anybody who moves you from uh, darkness towards light. So Guru is made of two words, Gu and Ru. Gu is um, uh, darkness and Ru is light. So he's moving anybody who can move you from darkness towards light. That is a Guru. And so okay. you can, in English, more simplistic words, you can call him it as teacher. Okay. So I'm... I'm just getting a little, a little, maybe you can help me clarify. Mm. You, you mentioned, um, out of darkness and into light, I guess. Mm -hmm. Can you, can you describe what darkness may okay. be in that context? Yeah. So, so when he was, uh, growing up, the darkness that he was seeing was a lot of, uh, discrimination. Mm -hmm. whether it was based on sex, whether it's based on your economic status, your financial status, or whether it was based on your, you know, in India, back in India, caste, like where you, which family you were born in. Right. Uh, if you were born into a rich family, you would have certain access, you know, to the point where uh, even uh, within Hinduism, uh, if you're born into a lower caste or lower family, financial, economic status, you were not allowed to listen to what was being said in the temples. You were not allowed inside the temples. And if you by mistake heard those messages, they would put uh, wax in your ears. They will burn your ears. And, you know, they were mm. so, so, so that was the darkness. He was I gotcha. bringing people right. Uh, or there were, you know, um, uh, let's say people were, uh, uh, they, they were practicing like, uh, you know, uh, I'll give you an example. He was uh, on a, by a riverbed, which is Ganga. Uh, it's a famous river in India. And there were people worshiping and they were worshiping sun. And so, and they were watering in, in aid to worship sun. They were looking towards sun and they were, you know, just like, pouring water into the sea with the mug, but in, in a way to that you are worshiping sun. This is how you're giving. So Guru Nanak saw that and he realized that people are getting lost in the act, you know, uh, and what he started doing was he took the mug filled with water and he started dropping water the opposite side. And people saw is like, what are you doing? Sun is right. this way. And he's like, I'm not watering sun. I'm watering my fields in Punjab, which were like hundreds of miles away. And they started yeah. like, how can you reach there? It's like, if you can reach sun there, why cannot my water reach there? So he used to work with those misconceptions and, you know, that people were lost in this, just the act of uh, getting to the God to actually pointing them, you know, maybe what you're doing is useless. Maybe right. they're things like where people were another example where a lot of people in that time, yogis would give up um, your lifestyle and go live in caves, mountains to get to the God. And what Guru Nanak taught was that you can get to that one by making sure what you do, you do with 
all your love like you put all your energy and focus into that and you can get to one because once you get lost what is his philosophy or what is his teaching there you have to become one the you become one when you forget about yourself if you're so lost in the act of doing what you're doing you've forgotten yourself and you're one with that act itself that act became one and so he taught about um you know you could become one doing what you are supposed to do it could be farming it could be uh you know um, uh, you know jewelry whatever is your craft you make yeah. sure you do with such honesty such presence of mind that your act becomes the one yeah so what and that was like, the message so what it sounds like is essentially what, what i'm kind of getting from it is the message of guru is that this is essentially the one life that we're getting mm. and make the best out of it. Do what makes you happy and yeah. put, put your all into what makes you happy. And that's something that I can get behind. That's, that's something that I've not really heard a lot of, especially organized religions talk about, yeah. you know, it's a lot of the, the doctrine says this, so you have to follow the doctrine, which yeah. kind of leads me into my next question is, is there a doctrine in which you follow? So, so if you go to organized religion within even Sikh, you will say people would say that, that you have to do certain things, certain way. But when, when I sit down, I, I have a question, uh, things like, you know, this, the famous things like, um, oh, whether one should eat meat or not, whether you should wear a turban or not keep. So, uh, whether you, sh you know, this is inclusive or not in inclusive or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I always sit down and try to contemplate what would Guru Nanak say or do? Knowing what I knew from the stories he was growing, um, he wouldn't, he, the, he's saying the, all his teachings is about how to get to one, but he's not saying, you know, you this just- This is the definitive way yeah, to do Yeah, this it, is right, the way, right. you, you don't restrict, you don't give up your choices. Uh, you have the choice, you can decide. Uh, but, you know, his teaching, uh, all his uh, teachings are about forgetting yourself and remembering the one, mm -hmm. um, you know, making, he goes about, talks a lot about love. So what he, his initial teaching is he defines, starts with defining that characteristics of one, which is his fearless, is full of love, um, is nameless, you cannot name it. So he describes 10 uh, different characteristics uh, of that one, and then he spends the rest of the thing explaining how to get and, you know, in love, like, how do you devote yourself uh, and become love? He starts with something like, if you really want to play this game, you need to bring your uh, head on your palm. Like, you need to cut your head in a way that you need to put your ego out and mm. come play this game with love because it's all by love that you you cannot get there with ego you need to be in so much love that you start seeing everything you know perfect or imperfect like we call this unorganized religion right, uh, right. or organized religion there are things that the boundaries that they create and if we look at um uh, organized religion and you say like how can that be part of that perfect oneness yeah and the 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 answer is that it's part of that perfect oneness in a way that even though it looks imperfect your desire to 
improve makes it perfect like it's there there are things that are not wrong that you see are not aligned but you see that and then you decide not to follow that's what right, it makes right. perfect but it's all inclusive there's nothing in this world that's happening that is not part of that one like all right. the wrongdoings right doings is just labels is but we cannot understand that as part of one because we're operating from that ego or we are still you know detached uh yeah. from oneness uh i gotcha but- yeah so so something else that that's kind of come up when i was doing a little bit of research on you know the the faith and everything mm. i came across a couple things that i i just wanted to ask you about that i yeah. wasn't 100 percent sure if they were true or what is going on but mm. i've heard some people talk about how T- typically Sikhs will carry around swords is yeah. is that typical practice like i mean do you do you walk around yeah so, I so mean... what happened was um when so gurnanak what he taught was that um you know you try all he taught to fight against oppression he said you need to not only you need to protect yourself you need to protect others anything you call others that's the only way you can come to the one that you treat everybody else also as like you are and if you are if you're seeing somebody getting oppressed and you see that and you don't do anything then you are also part of that oppression you are you know so so he taught becoming um as a warriors because there was you know in back in the, those days there was um moguls were trying to mm-hmm. uh, overrule india they were ruling and they were converting people into islam so they tried all the means they said we'll try all our means we'll try it by being nice by speaking nicely you know getting in arguments whatever ways but when everything ends then we'll pick up the sword don't think that we cannot pick the swords but we'll you. pick up the sword as our last mechanic so they were trained um warriors also and uh, guru gobind singh ji who was our 10th guru was the last guru by the time it came to him uh, 10 gurus later he he created the whole army warriors so these were called like spiritual warriors so uh, saint warriors so you had your foundation was laid into the spirituality but you also knew the skills of fighting you know wars so but wars uh, for a warrior the war is the last place you are not you know right. for it's fighter it is your dna that you need to fight fight but for a warrior it is the last resort you are uh, you know you're avoiding the war you're you're going but when you are left with no other place you would go so in that tradition we were taught to have both which is called bana and bani bani is like your spiritual aspect your wisdom um uh, and then your uh, bana is your dress uh, which is uh, your code of conduct that outwardly shows who you are so that people can uh, see you they wanted like the, the the reason the turban exists was he wanted to create an image that people see from far away they can tell that this guy is sick he can fight is spiritually aligned but he can also fight he will stand against and uh, in their times they fought um battles like from the third guru onwards there was always battles six six were fighting the operation against the um, 
ruling parties or the ruling governments of the time who were trying to oppress in different ways. So they, okay. they carry sword. If you, uh, I don't want to use the term baptized, but actually, uh, in a way, if you say that I've now given myself to Guru that I I'm going to follow, then you should be wearing, I don't wear um, uh, the sword, but you should be wearing the sword and then you follow a certain lifestyle, so to speak. So, okay. you know, so if I, if I decided to, or if I, <laughs> I don't know, fell into the, the Sikh faith and I wanted to consider myself a Sikh. Do I have to wear a turban? Like, is that a, a, and like, do I have to dress a certain way or is it like, okay, if I'm just as I am and I say I'm, I'm Sikh and I believe in those things that guru, guru said, I'm just not dressing in yeah. that way. Is that still okay? Or so you will get different answers from different people on this one because this is so debatable. This goes to whether you're following the doctrine or not. My understanding is no, uh, you don't. Uh, you know, you it's more about values. Are you aligned your values? But there will come a time when I've seen people who start like this. They actually recognize the significance of wearing a turban or mm -hmm. because it's a, it's. It's more of a reminder to yourself the values you stand for uh, and then you when you are internally aligned to those values then maybe you will wear maybe you don't like i have i'll give you example my brother he does not wear his he's cut his hair he doesn't do it uh, okay. does he go to six temples he does uh, so i have had people in family and if you ask somebody in organized religion they would say they are not sick but then again who right. is sick like if you are othering the whole principle of Sikhism starts with everything is one if you start yeah. othering then you're all of a sudden lost that yeah. route so um I believe you can have the Sikh this is what Guru Nanak believed in he never said anybody to become sick he never yeah. told um you know that you need to be in fact a lot of writings that are part of uh Guru Granth Sahib which, which is where the recorded teachings of all these gurus are there are uh, Muslim uh, prophets in there, Muslim poets in there. There are Hindus there. There are Christians there. Uh, there are all gurus. And a lot of these gurus came like Guru Nanak was born into Hindu family. So it's not about becoming Sikh. It's about following those principles, yeah. recognizing the one. And, you know, it's about forming your own relationship with that one, that life energy that you, you know, there is a certain love and poetry to it. Like you is invoked inwardly. And when you understand that inwardly, the outward, outward expression really doesn't matter. If it happens, it happens. Yeah. If it doesn't happen. It doesn't yeah, matter. I agree. Cause, cause I, I bring that up cause it, it can just kind of would seem like, I don't know if you're familiar with the no true Scotsman fallacy. Like someone can, you know, if I went into a Sikh temple and, you know, said I, I was a Sikh and I'm, you know, being genuine, I'm wanting to practice. And someone said, you're not doing it right. Or you're not, mm. you know, dressed this way. Therefore you're not a Sikh. That's, that's a no true Scotsman fallacy. You're telling me that I, I, you know, I don't believe in this thing when I do, <laughs> I just, am not yeah. doing it in the way you want me to. So I, yeah. I think and that's that great. can happen. If you go to temple, somebody may tell you that because again, uh, a lot of what is the foundation teachings of Guru Nanak, they have lost in this organization of that religion. It right. wasn't always the case. Uh, 
you know he he traveled around the world he had these dialogues and he's never <coughs> fighting against these people he's always questioning he's saying why explain me he's trying to understand and then he's bringing his own perspective okay if you say this way maybe this is the way i see um there's a famous story that uh gurunanak goes to mecca which is you know the holy place for muslim that's the holiest place right and you're not if you're not muslim you're not allowed inside the mecca so yeah. uh, he goes there to have dialogue with the uh people who are sort of running the show inside the mecca but he's not allowed so he's sitting outside laying outside and somebody walks by and and says hey why are your feet pointing towards the mecca you should you know you're pointing towards our god you move your feet to other direction and he goes okay fine put my feet in the direction where there is no god <laughs> right right so then the guy the fable goes that the guy tries to move the feet but whichever direction he moves the feet the mecca moves that side and and he shows to the point i mean he's established this points with the commentary he's not trying to bring people down he's trying to show them a different perspective by questioning yeah. and you know really having a open dialogue uh, and really out of curiosity with love like he you i read a lot of what he has written when you read it's full of so much love like his answer is um that you know he says in one of the famous uh, lines he says that only those who have loved have found the god like you cannot get to god without love if you have any form of hate or otherness in you not going get there mm. and that such a profound thing like you it stops you when you are having an argument with somebody's like you know if you really lean into the wisdom it makes you uh, if i am having a tough time dealing with some somebody which i had in recent times with uh, we were doing a building renovation project which was delayed by uh, four months and i was you know paying rent at a property i was paying mortgage and i was running around my school so i had a lot of um resentment towards the building contractor and the only way i was able to come peace was like trying to find the love and seeing you know right. okay he's doing best or maybe he is doing what he needs to do because the, the other opposite of which was othering him or saying okay he's you know taking advantage of me it was just making me more miserable yeah so you know is is beautiful you can you don't need to wear and his form of at certain level you don't need to wear anything you can follow the principles and get to it it's, that's wonderful you know and people do it in different ways yeah there's no right. one way yeah, so either that's that makes that makes a lot a lot of sense here um another thing that i wanted to ask you mm -hmm. is um when i noticed your last name when we first started talking your and you know on facebook it was Singh, and yeah. It, it caught my eye because I was like, you know, I've seen that last name a lot. So I did yeah. a little bit of research and looking into it. And it seems like a lot of practicing Sikhs have either the last name Singh or uh, Kaur or Kar. I'm not, I'm not mm. sure how to pronounce that. Why is that? Is, is there something behind that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good question. So what, 
when Guru Nanak was there, uh, he grew up in a lot of discrimination in caste systems that you were different castes and there were seven, eight layers. You could be lowest low and highest high. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they uh, he formed this uh, religion or this foundation principles, he said, you'll always be saints. Like there is no differentiator. So he created Singh, which means warriors or a lion, you know, and that was supposed to be the only last name you would be known by so that people cannot identify what your caste okay. is becomes Again, one in a way all of us being one thing one okay. so he bringing that principle uh, but it's funny because people started adding their last name after the single core so ah. so <laughs> so yeah yeah so a lot of our last name because you know uh became whatever the last names were they added so i have last name but my son doesn't have a last my son's last mm. name is Singh. So because I recognize, I learned, I couldn't change it for me, or it didn't have enough time. I, I didn't want you. to go through the pain of legal all the legal process. Right. But for my son, he's just Singh, and um, and I've just left it to that. And people ask me, I don't know. I always now say it's just Singh. I don't know which my what my cast is, and if really somebody wants to get in argument and try to find, I jokingly tell them, you know. Um, I belong to the same caste like Gurnanak is, so go find that. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is humanity. Yeah, but uh, that it was purposely done so that you come under there, you start to form a uh, shape, uh, recognize, and you know, in the times where they were constantly in war, they wanted to have that identity. Like, I, you know, people get so much enthusiasm and inspiration from their identity right it's it's a thing is mm-hmm. you know i'm american if something goes to america i will fight like i'll stand so that embodiment that embodiment of identity where you stand against oppression because you're a thing is where it comes from wonderful yeah i you know from this conversation i've learned a lot about sikhism i still have a lot to learn i'm still i'm gonna mm-hmm. pick up um the uh the doctrine that we've kind of talked about a little bit. I want to pick that up and and take a look at that too. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, I, I think that I've really learned a lot and and a couple of misconceptions that I've had about Sikhism you've kind of cleared up. And I hope that some of the audience members too kind of picked up on some of those misconceptions that um that I think I think we did a good job kind of clearing up and talking about. Um because you know people mm. see you know I have seen Sikhs carrying around swords and that's intimidating you know to be honest you know you look at a guy carrying around a sword and you're gonna go holy crap he's got a big sword (laughs) but yeah yeah. after you've kind of explained it i mean not to say it still doesn't intimidate me a little bit but i guess it's kind of the point is is what you're saying is to say hey don't f with me um yeah so i understand it you know it's no different than i guess open carry here in the u.s you know you can carry around a gun why can't you carry around Mm -hmm. a sword Mm -hmm. um so i understand that you know and i love the whole message being inclusivity and fighting oppression. Cause that's, you know, as an atheist, a non-believer, that's what I do. You know, I fight for, you know, fighting against oppression and equality Mm. um, just from a non-belief standpoint. So, I mean, I think it's interesting that we're on the same page all all, nearly to a T, but there's just very slight differences in in between us. And I think it's very interesting. Um, So I have a lot of work to do. 
um, <laughs> looking into this and uh, maybe I can have you on again sometime and we can, we can dive a little bit more into some aspects. Yeah. Maybe after I read the doctrine and maybe we can have some sort of discussion on that. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but anyways, man, pre, I had a really great discussion with you. I learned a lot. My audience learned a lot. I know it. And um, I appreciate you for coming on a lot. Um, we're going to kind of wrap up the interview here. Um, but before we go, I would like, if you have any um, links, your YouTube channel, any websites, anything that you would like to plug, you're more than welcome to take a couple seconds and, and plug anything that you'd like. Yeah, no, thank you for that. On my YouTube channel, like you mentioned, will be in North That's the place to see what I do. There will be a LinkedIn. Um, I will pass you my LinkedIn if people want to connect me. That's where I'm active. People can connect and chat and have a word. And the, the, I guess the only thing I would want to say is that uh, we all have, you know, we've been given this um, compass, the true north within ourselves. Like, it doesn't matter what Manpri says, what Calvin says. You come across something, you close your eyes. If it doesn't align with your heart, it's probably not true. You don't need to follow. Do your own homework. Uh, you know, uh, there's a, a lot of misinformation out there, and that's why we are so divisive. Uh, the very first principle, I, I, I think if it's dividing us, it cannot be. If you really believe in something as God um, or something as connecting us as one, if it's dividing any message, that to me is further away from the truth. And so I use that as my uh, true north. It could be something different for you, but we are all, when we operate from our heart, our mind can deceive us into different intellectual theories, but you close your eyes, you operate from your heart, you know where the truth is. And I think if more and more people align to that truth, uh, we'll have a, a beautiful world to live in. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I totally agree with with almost everything that you just said. But anyways, <laughs> man, Pri, I appreciate you for coming on. Um, I hope to speak to you again soon. And uh, sure. again, thank you. Thank you, Calvin. Bye.